Hello and welcome to True to the Bible Podcast with Hunter Davis. Thanks for joining us today for our second lesson in our series on the book of Ephesians. Today we're going to be in chapter 1 and we're going to be looking at verses 3 through 6. We're going to be talking about the spiritual blessings that come from the Father. There are several blessings throughout chapter 1. We're going to be looking at two of those today. As we see these spiritual blessings that the Father gives us, we need to always remember that these come from Him. And we should be excited and realize that we are blessed as the church. Well, thanks again for joining us, and we hope that you enjoy this lesson. Alright, turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Uh, as you guys know, we're going through the book of Ephesians, which I'm excited about because I think it's super practical, and we can take a lot of application from it. <clears throat> and so we're going to be reading verses 3 through 6 today. Last week we talked about context. Um, we talked about the church at Ephesus. We talked about the city of Ephesus. We talked about Paul and his relationship with him. Uh, just so we could have context, we went over the entire um, outline of the book. If you remember the first three chapters, talking about who we are, whether it's us specifically or as a body, as a church. Today we're going to be talking about the church specifically. Um, and then uh, the last three chapters are all about application. What do we do or how do we live because of who we are in Christ, essentially, is what it is. And so... Um, we did all that last week. Last week we talked about in Ephesus, by the way, we talked about how they were a, a city of magic. You guys remember that? And they followed like the false god of Artemis. You guys remember all that? And I told you there was this guy named, or this guy that basically um, uh, ran Paul out of town, out of Ephesus. And <clears throat> as I was thinking about it, I, I, I basically said that it was the, it was the magic guy that read him, ran him out, but really, he was a silversmith. He was caught up in the magic with everybody else, obviously, because he was building idols for them. Um, but that's a slight correction on that, because really, he was a silversmith who ran him out of town because of the magic that they weren't doing anymore, because they weren't worshiping a false god anymore. But anyway, that's why Paul ran out, um, and then he was now in, pre- in prison. And he's talking, he's writing a letter back to this church that he spent significant time with. Okay, so let's read it. We'll read the first uh, or three through six, which is four verses, that's it. And then we'll talk about it. It says, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us to adoptions as sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the blood. Okay, let's pray real quick and we'll start. Dear God, I just come before you and thank you for this day you've given to us. And I pray that as we look at this, we'd understand how you've blessed us, uh, how you've blessed the church in this age and in this dispensation, and this, how we can live or should live uh, because of that, God, we love you, and we pray all this through Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we have our three words this week. It's blessing, children, and chosen. Okay, blessing can be the foot tap, children can be the wink, and chosen can be an ear pour. Cho- chosen, chose, children, child, blessing, bless, any of those things. If you guys are wanting to do that today, we, um, we're looking at spiritual blessings. We're looking at the spiritual blessings that the Father has given to the church. And our goal, or what I think we should really look at and be focused on is um, how we can live as a part of the church. Okay, the church has a job to do. Um, God has blessed the church in a specific way, and He's given us a job. And we need to be a part of that. And, um, you know, Adam was talking about this morning how we're all a part of the body. And we need to be a part of that body. We need to be employing our 
uh, spiritual gifts and our talents and our abilities. And so we're going to look at that today. Um, and as we look at this first chapter, we see the spiritual blessing in the body. In chapters 4 and 5, which we'll look at in a long time from now, uh, Paul talks about the body a lot more. And he compares like the body with the church. And he says, like, Christ, if you guys remember um, reading it all over, he talks about how like Christ is the head of the church and, and we're the body. And in uh, like chapter 4, he talks about unity of the body. And he talks about like our uh, SBC's like, Famous verses, right? Our like theme verses, Ephesians 4, 11, and 12, when he gives some as apostles and prophets, shepherds, teachers, evangelists, that thing, so that we can um, build up the body of Christ. Okay, and so uh, there's a lot to do with the body in uh, Ephesians. And it's interesting uh, because we have not replaced Israel as, as a church, okay, right? As a church, we have not replaced Israel. Um, we haven't. You guys know that, I think. And that's called replacement theology. That's it's not true. We haven't. God's going to deal with Israel again in the last days and, after, and during the tribulation time and all that, and they're going to turn back to Him. But during this dispensation of grace, meaning the time that we're in, when God is dealing with the church, the body of Christ, uh, we have kind of taken over some responsibilities as Jews and Gentiles together now. If you guys know, uh, when Paul talks to Corinthians, the church at Corinth, we are ambassadors of Christ, right? Now, Israel used to be the ambassadors for the coming Messiah, right? There's this whole theme throughout the Old Testament that God was doing things through Israel, through this nation, so that God's name would be great. Why would God want His name to be great? Why would God want everybody to know and hear about Him? So that way people would worship Him? Yeah, so people would worship so people would be saved, right? And so in the Old Testament, we see God chooses Abraham, and then there's this nation, and you see even from the beginning of the nation... That the whole world is literally hearing about God because of Israel. They're the light to the nations. Uh, they are. And if you look at like them coming out of Exodus, like out of Egypt, the Exodus, like the whole world saw that. The whole world knew that God was using Israel. And they could see God through Israel, right? Does that make sense to you guys? Well, now, okay, we're, we're in a different dispensation, okay? And God is using the church, okay? This is called the age of the mystery, the mystery age. Because of Daniel, for those of you guys who have been going through Daniel or studying Daniel, um, it's the mystery age, okay? Daniel didn't know about it. And Paul says, well, we didn't know about it in the Old Testament, but now we're in this dispensation of grace where God is using the church to be ambassadors for Christ. Now we have this body, and through Jesus Christ, the whole world can see, um, through Jesus Christ and through us, through the body, the whole world can see who God is. The whole world can come to God. And that is... Um, our mission, right? Matthew 10, 20, or Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Right? Our goal is to make disciples of all nations. Right? That's our goal. As a body, as a church, that is our goal. And so we haven't taken the place of Israel. We're not Israel. Israel soon will be taking that torch back up in the, uh, in the tribulation. At the end of the tribulation, they call in the name of the Lord. Jesus comes back. Uh, so we're not taking the place of Israel. But right now in this dispensation, God is using us. Okay, and he's blessed the church in several ways. And really in the next, um, let's see how many verses it is. Probably like 12 verses here in chapter 1. Uh, Paul is talking about blessings, spiritual blessings that we have as a body. Okay, because the church is special to God. Okay, Israel is special to God. We're all special to God. But today we're talking about the church. And the church is special to God. Now we all have uh, special things, right, that we... Uh, that we like or we love, whether it's a blanket or a, a bunny rabbit or whatever it is. My brother, uh, he used to have a special blanket. 
and he had it. He he kept it with him way too long. You know what I mean? You guys kind of feel what I'm feeling. Like he kept it with him way too long. He he was pretty old when he still was keeping onto this blanket, holding on to it. Um, and we all have those things too. Whether it's like a pacifier, I you know I used to love a pacifier when I was a little kid. Um, or whether it's your stuffed animal. Pike has this dog. He calls it Speedy the dog, and he loves Speedy. And he'll probably you know have Speedy the dog when he's like 30 years old. You know, single. You know, holding Speedy the dog by himself. But uh, we we have things in our life that are special to us. You know what I mean? And you know whether it's a blanket or a dog or whatever, it's special to us. And some people, you know, they may not see it as special, but we do. The church is special to God. Okay, the church is special to God, and He loves the church. You know, He loves all of us, obviously. John three sixteen. But the church is special to God. And he blesses the church in several ways, and that's what we're going to look at. So look at verse 3 again. We're going to look at the author of the blessings. The author of the blessings of the church. Okay, verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Okay, the first thing that Paul tells this church at Ephesus, this faithful church, when he's talking about God blessing him, is that the blessings come from God. Okay, the blessings come from God. He says God is the one that is blessing us, that is blessing the church. Okay, and he's about to talk about the blessings. That's why he's saying that God is the author of the blessings. Okay, many times we forget that in our life. Okay, and I think it's important to remember. And as Paul is going through and he's like, hey, here's these blessings that you guys have. He wants to make sure right from the start that, he, that everybody knows that these blessings are from God. They're not from themselves. Because a lot of times we think that um, we are the author of our own blessings. Or like, we're like, hey, we've done a lot of good things um, to get this blessing. We kind of leave God out of it. James 1.17 says, Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. And in 18 he says, In the exercise of his good will, okay, he brought us forth by the word of truth, so we would be a kind of first fruits among his cre- uh, creatures. Okay. This is, 18 is cool because that's what we're talking about today, that the church is brought forth as a first fruit. 17 is really what I'm focusing on right here, though, and that's that every good and perfect gift comes from God. Every good thing comes from God. In fact, God is the creator of the world. God is the creator of the world, right? And when he created it, what did he say? He said, it is good. When he created it, he created it and he said, it is good. He didn't create sin. He didn't create death. He didn't create those things. He created something. He said, it is good. My old pastor used to say this, God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. Okay? Because everything God does is good, and he created the world good. Okay? Yet God gave Adam and Eve freedom. Okay? You guys know the story. Genesis 1. He gave them freedom, though, to choose, did he not? He gave them a lot of freedom to choose. Okay? He, said, he didn't say, hey, you have to eat from only one tree. This is the only tree you can eat from. Uh, or he didn't say, I'm going to choose for you every day what tree you're going to eat from. He didn't say, hey, here's exactly what you're going to do. He didn't make him a robot, right? What did he say? You can eat from any tree. any tree in the garden. That's what he said, right? He gave them choice, free choice. Except for the one in the middle. Except for the one in the middle. Okay, It's just kind of like, like football. Okay? It's kind of like football. If you play football, in order to play football... <laughs> Now you have to have out-of-bounds lines. You have to have a field, right? Now if we said there's no rules at all in football, could you play football? No, no you couldn't. Okay? And God gave them choice, but there's boundaries. 
Okay, within those boundaries, you have the freedom to choose. Adam and Eve have the freedom to choose. And he, like uh, Caitlin said, he put the tree right in the middle of their garden, right in the middle of their house. Okay, right in the middle of their house. Why would he put a, why would he put the tree that they couldn't eat from right in the middle of their house? That seems kind of mean. It's like, hey, you can't eat from this tree, so I'm gonna put it right in the middle of your house. What? Opinion, I think it's that way. It's, in my opinion, he knew someone was going to come, so I don't know if he was really allowing temptation to get to them, or if he put it there because that's just where he put it. Yeah, well, I like what Tony Evans says. Uh, he's a preacher in Dallas, but he says that God put the tree in the middle of their house to remind them every day who was in control. Okay, God created them, and were they perfect when he created them? Yeah. Yeah, they were. They were perfect. Okay? Were they God? No. No, they weren't. And that's something that I, I used to kind of think about sometimes and not understand completely, is that just because we're perfect doesn't make us God. Okay, when we get to heaven, are we going to be perfect? Yes. Yeah, but we're not are we going to be all-knowing? No. Probably not. Are we going to be all-powerful? No. Definitely not. Okay, we're not going to be God. Okay, we are never going to be God. They were never God. And Tony Evans says that he put that tree in to remind them that they were still servants of God. Every time they pass that tree... They'd be reminded, I'm not in control. They, I still have to answer to God. Okay, and so that's why he says uh, that they that God put that tree in the middle. Okay, but did God by putting that tree in the middle create evil and sin? No, He did not. Everything He created was good. Okay, and therefore everything good comes from God. We're about to talk about some spiritual blessings, Paul says. Hey, I'm going to tell you as a church why you're blessed and how you're blessed. But he says, don't forget that these blessings come from God. In our lives, we need to not forget everything good that we have, every perfect gift comes from God. Okay? Because if we don't, then we start getting prideful. And we start thinking, hey, I'm, I'm the one. God didn't, God didn't give me that. I, I'm earning that. I'm working for that. I'm doing that. You know, and we start to get prideful doing it. Okay, so that's what he starts out by saying in, in verse 3. <clears throat> hey, these blessings are from God. He also notes, okay, at the end of verse 3, look at it. Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Paul notes that these blessings he's, we're about to talk about are not material blessings. They are spiritual blessings. And this is important because a lot of times we think of material things when we think of blessings, Right? We think of uh, money or health or family or whatever. And, you know, those things are blessings from God. But Paul says that's not what we're talking about today. We're not talking about material blessings. We're talking about the spiritual blessings that you have in Christ as a church. And we're going to look at it. Okay, we're going to look at it. The first thing we're going to look at, we are chosen. Okay, we are chosen. A lot of people get confused on this. Okay, and a lot of people... Take this, these verses and they say, hey, look, God sends some people to heaven. He sends some people to hell. He chooses. Okay, but we're going to look at it and, and uh, everything we're looking at, man, it, it doesn't look like he's even talking about specific individuals here. So let's, let's dive in. Okay, look at verse 4. It says, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him in love. Okay, the first blessing is that we are chosen. Okay, we are chosen, and we are. Okay, a lot of people says, like I said earlier, that means that you're chosen to go to heaven, or you're chosen to go to hell. Okay, but that's not the case. The first question we got to answer, though, is who is chosen? Who is chosen? Okay, who is the us? Okay, it says just as he chose 
us. So the question is, who is the us? Some people say us refers to an individual believer. Some people say it refers to, it refers to the church as a whole. Um, I think, you know, either could honestly work in the context, and you could say either one, but I really think that it is, I really think that he's talking about the church, okay, and I'm going to show you why, or a few reasons why. First, look down at, I said scroll down because I'm on an iPad, but look down at verse 12, okay, look down at verse 12. It says, to the end that we were first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. So he says, we... The same we, okay, because it's one point past. The same we were the first to hope in Christ. Now, can I say that I was the first one to hope in Christ? Nope. I mean, no. There's tons of people before me that has hoped in Christ, right? Now, could he? Could we say that the church was the first to hope in Christ? Yes. It's a hard question. Did Abraham hope in Christ? Yes. Okay. He hoped in the coming Messiah, so the coming Christ. Okay, did Abraham know his name? No. No, I mean, he knew he'd be the Christ, Messiah, Emmanuel. Or actually, Abraham didn't even know Emmanuel at that point. But he knew there was coming Christ. Okay, we are the first dispensation, the first age, the church age is the first one to actually get to hope on what Christ has already done. Okay? Abraham was hoping... Or when I say hope, it's like confident expectation. He knew that there was a Messiah coming and he would, you know, reconcile us to God. Okay? We as a church are the first group of people that get to look back and say, look, it happened. We get to hope in Christ. Okay, so we as a body are the first ones to hope in Christ. So if he's talking about the body, the whole church here, why would he be talking about an individual up there? Go on down to Ephesians chapter 2. You guys know these verses really good. 8 through 10, it says, For by grace you've been saved through faith, and not of yourself. It's a gift of God. I think I have this one up here. Yeah, it's a gift of God, not a result of works, so no one can boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus, for good works which he prepared beforehand, and we would walk in them. Okay? Really interesting here. Okay, he says, You, for grab your grace, you have been saved. And he says, Not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. So this is a specific to an individual. Was Paul saved by grace? Yes. Yeah, but he's specifically saying, Hey, you as a church and individuals were saved. Okay, he's making a point. And he says, Yourselves. And then it says, As a result of words, nobody can boast. And then it says, For what? For we. we. Why does he change it from you to we? Okay, he doesn't just use words flippantly. Okay, and it's in the Word of God, so we know that. But also, Paul never uses words flippantly. Okay, are we, uh, we are his workmanship creating Christ Jesus. So, here, he's talking about individuals. Here, he suddenly starts talking about the church. He says, each one of you as an individual is saved in Christ. And then God has created the church as his workmanship in Christ Jesus for good works that he prepared beforehand, which fits perfectly with this blessing that we're going to look at in verse 4. Okay, so we see throughout the book that Paul uses a lot, a lot of times, I don't know if I'm confident enough to say every time, but a lot of times when he uses we, he's talking to individuals. And when he says we, when he says you, he's talking to individuals. We, he's talking about a body, universal body of Christ. So he says he chose us, and with that in mind, he chose the church. Those that are first hoping Christ. Does that make sense to you guys? So he chose the collective body. Okay, as um, uh, in him before the foundation of the world. Okay, so he chose us, and what did he choose us for? 
Hey, what did he choose us for? And again, you could say that's still an individual, but what did he choose the individual for? I think it's a church. As I'm studying, the more I study it, the more I think it's a church. But even if you say it's you, it's an individual, what did he choose these, this church for? That we would be holy and blameless for him in love. Now, are all believers holy and blameless in their position before God? Yes. Okay, you put your faith in Jesus Christ for eternal life, you are holy and blameless, meaning that you, you know, you're perfect before you have Christ's righteousness, so you're blameless, you're set apart as a saint of God. Okay, so you're holy and blameless. Okay, but practically, experientially, is every believer holy and blameless? No. No, right? Because we don't live out our faith a lot of times, right? Okay, so we're not always like that. Okay, in this passage, he's saying that he chose the church. Okay, he chose the church before the foundation of the world. Okay, that we would be holy and blameless, and I think that's experientially. Okay, especially you. Go, oh wait, it was already on there. If you go to Ephesians two eight nine, what did he create the church to do? Good works. Though. Good works. Do good works have anything to do with your position before Christ, before God? No. No. Meaning you're, if you stand before God, like God the Father, we're not going to stand before God the Father, white, or white throne, great white throne, okay? We're not going to. But I'm just saying, if you stand before the Father and He sees Christ's righteousness, do you have to have good works too to get it? No. We know that, right? So He's saying that He created the church for good works, okay? Here, I think He's saying the same thing. He chose us before the foundation of the world that we would be holy and blameless, okay? That word uh, holy, just means set apart. Okay, that word blameless means without blemish. Okay, this is, this is what the church is supposed to look like. Okay, why are we supposed to be holy and blameless? Because God is holy and blameless. And but, we represent God. For sure, for sure. Uh, I, think that, I think you hit it when you said represent God. Okay, why did, what was, um, what was a big reason why Israel had all the laws that they had? To show them that they needed God. Okay, to show them they needed God to be set apart, to be different. Why? Why would he want them to be set apart and different? Because they're his chosen people. Because they're his chosen people? What are you going to say? Yeah, to show that they're not like the other nations. To show like they're not the other nations? He wanted them to be set apart, holy and blameless as a people group, because he wanted the whole world to know who he was through Israel. Israel was the light to the world to show them that the Messiah was coming. Okay? Now, as a church, as a body, we are to be set apart and without blemish. Why? So people see the body, the church, and they see God, and they see not in the coming Messiah, but they see the Messiah has come. And we are the light. Okay, again, we're not taking the place of Israel. Okay? That's not what I say. Well, there's tons of blessings and promises and all this stuff that God gave to Abraham and the children of Israel, Israel like we're not taking the place of Israel at all. Okay, this is not replacement theology. Okay, but God gave Israel a job to be a light to the world, and right now, Israel and Gentiles, Jews and Gentiles, have that job to be a light to the world, to be ambassadors for Christ. And that's what Paul is saying right here in verse four. He says, "Hey, you guys, us as a church, as a collective body, are chosen before the foundation of the world. Okay, that we would be set apart for God." Okay, which is really cool. Because you know what? History starts happening. And we see history go on, go on, go on. 
And then suddenly there's this mystery age, the church age, right? And to us, from our perspective, we kind of look at it and say, uh, well, man, God must have like, oh, I need to throw in a, I need to throw the church in there. I need to kind of change up what I'm doing here. But it says, Paul says that before the foundation of the world, God knew church was going to be, the church, the body of Christ, was going to be a thing. And not only that, he created good works for them to do before the foundation of the world. It's so cool. Okay, so that's verse 4. That's the first blessing. Second blessing, we're not going to get into it as much. Okay, but the second blessing, um, oh yeah, that's what, that's just what I said. Okay, but I put it up on a slide. Okay, the second blessing that we see here, okay, we are adopted. We are adopted. We are in the family of God. Look at verse 5. He said, He predestined or predetermined us. Again, there's the us. So if we're taking it as the church, as the body, that's the church, right? So He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ Himself according to the kind intention of His will. We are now a part of the family of God. Okay, We are part of the family of God because He loves us. And that's Every individual person who is in the church is a part of the family of God, and that's a blessing. And he predestined that every individual who trusted in Jesus for eternal life would be an adopted son. Everybody in the body is a son or daughter. I just said son, but son or daughter. Okay, And it's according to his condescension or his love. Now, my dad used to have a, uh, a furniture business. Okay, He used to like sell all kinds of furniture. He actually had several. And it was cool growing up because I got to work in them. Um, got to do different stuff for him. But it's a family business. And um, he, uh, he ended up getting out of the business. But if he didn't, okay, I, you know, I probably could have taken over the business for him. Or, or my brother. Or all of us could have worked with him and for him. But let me ask you this. If I decided that I'm not going to work in that business, the family business of mattresses and furniture, would I still be a part of the family? You think so? Yeah. Yeah, I would be, right? I'm just not working in the family business. I'm not doing what the family's doing. As a, as a family of God, okay, we are set apart and blameless, okay, meaning that we are to be doing good works, okay, like we're talking about here. Okay, we are those who are supposed to be being disciples of Christ because that's a family business. Now, if we're not doing that, are you still part of the family? Are you still adopted as sons and daughters? Absolutely. Okay? But you're, you're, not, you're not being a part of the family business, right? And what comes with the family business usually? Rewards. Rewards, right? If I work for my dad's family business, I'm, I'm probably going to be getting money doing it, right? In that scenario. Okay? But it's the same thing in the church, okay? We're, we're in the family of God. Everyone in the church is in the family of God. Everyone in the church okay, is adopted as a son because God loves us. Okay? And it all goes back to that, to that love. Okay, by this, love of God was made manifest in us that God has sent His Son, His only begotten Son, into the world so we might live through Him. And this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be propitiation for our sins. God loves us so much that He sent Jesus so that we could be adopted as sons. Okay, we can be in the family of God. Okay, and just so you know, God probably, I, I mean, God probably could have saved us and not had us as sons. Right? Like you could have been like, okay, I'm going to save you, but I don't, I'm, not, I'm not really wanting you as a family. I don't want you to be my child. But we're allowed to be intimate with God. We're allowed to be a part of His family. In fact, we have Jesus Christ interceding for us all the time. Okay? And that's part of being His family. We can draw close to God. It's really cool. That's a cool spiritual blessing that the church has. 
Okay? And guess what? Who, or, well, not guess what. You guys know. Who's living inside of us? The Holy Spirit. Is, is the Holy Spirit God? Yes. We are the family of God. We can have community God with God like nobody else throughout history ever could. Okay? Did, they, did everyone who was saved automatically have the Spirit, the Holy Spirit in them in the Old Testament? No. No, but we do now. Okay, spiritual blessing. He, he actually talks about that later on, so we'll get into that later. Okay, and then look at verse 6. We'll close it with verse 6. It says, To the praise of His glorious uh, grace, which He freely bestowed on us in His beloved. The beloved is Jesus Christ. He bestowed us, bestowed these blessings on us in Christ. Okay, God has freely given to us these blessings. Okay, these two blessings, and we're going to talk about more blessings next week, or the week after next week. But He's freely given us these blessings. Remember, these blessings come from God. Okay, so He reminds them again. He starts out reminding them blessings come from God. He ends it reminding them blessings come from God. Okay, so as a, as a body, as a church, we are blessed. And we're blessed in several different ways. And it's really cool to me, guys, that we're blessed in this way. Okay, we live in a cool dispensation. Okay, we live in a cool age. Okay, where God, where Christ has already come. He's already died. He's already rose again. And now He's interceding for us. And we have some really cool spiritual blessings because of it. Okay, so what's the impact? I skipped that slide. What's the impact? Okay, number one, I think we need to thank God for the blessings. And thank God that we're in the church. Okay, I think we should thank God for that. Thank God that we're adopted as sons and part of the family of God. Thank God that He chose the church before the foundation of the world. Okay, number two, we need to live out who we are using our gifts in the body, which He's calling, uh, which He has called us calling of holiness, meaning that we should be holy. We should live like we are chosen, like we're a part of the church, okay, because the church is chosen. Okay, what is the church chosen to do? Good works. They, the church is chosen to do good works, Ephesians 2.10, right? And what we just saw here, they're chosen to do good works, to serve God, okay? So, as a believer, you're a part of the church, right? You should be serving God, okay? It doesn't matter how young you guys are, or how youth age you guys are. You should be serving God right now. You should be serving God. You should be using your spiritual gift to serve God in the body right now. Okay, you should, and if you're not, you need to start. Okay, Because we are in this body, we are in this church that God created and knew before the foundation of the world would come, and He knew that He would give them these good works to do. And so if He knew that, and He gave us these good works that He's going to for the church, shouldn't we be doing those good works in the church as a part of that church, as a part of that body? Should we? Yeah. So every single one of us should be using our spiritual gifts to build up the body. Okay? God's blessed the body. He's blessed the church, and He predestined the church to live out uh, who Christ is and to show the world that. And so we need to be doing that as members of the body. Make sense to you guys? Kind of thumbs up if that makes sense. Thanks again for joining us for True to the Bible podcast with Hunter Davis. If you enjoyed this lesson, make sure you subscribe so you can hear the rest of the lessons on True to the Bible podcast. And if you have any questions regarding this lesson or any of the other lessons, make sure you contact us at hunter.davis at stillwaterbible.org. Thanks again for joining us.